Has it ever occurred to you just how incredible grapes are? Now think about it. That little box of raisins your mother packed in your lunch bag was the only fruit that qualified as a dessert. And consider this. When we hear juicy gossip, we say we heard it through the grapevine. We didn't hear it through the apple tree or the berry bush. Grapes are so darn special that the grocery store expects us to snitch a few to ensure quality control. Try doing that with a banana or a pineapple. Admit it, every encounter you've ever had with grapes has been positive. That's why we created Grape Encounters, a place for adults to hang out and focus on the paramount achievement of grapedom. Delicious, irresistible wine. Wine brings people together. It starts conversations. It makes us happy. In fact, wherever there are grapes, there's gorgeous scenery, very cool people, and plenty of laughter. All that being said, let's bring out your guide for this journey. The Wizard of Wine, the Gangster of Grape, David Wilson. And it's time for your weekly Grape Encounter. And, you know, just before I went on the air, I had to do a little bit of shopping at the grocery store. And, you know, while in most cases there is plenty of merchandise there to choose from, but there are certain aisles, you look and there's just nothing there. Like a good example is the pet food aisle. I'm just astounded by the fact that there are a number of very popular brands of pet food, both cat and dog, that you can't buy. And, you know, as you go through the grocery store, certain aisles will show you that same picture over and over and over again, stuff that is noticeably missing. And it all has to do with supply chain. We've heard a lot about it. And I know that some of us have suffered more than others. But if you are a wine drinker, no, 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 scratch that. If you are a winemaker, then you are feeling the pain right now. And I want to talk about this a bit because it's a pretty significant story. Now, when we have pretty significant stories, we want to bring on a pretty significant person. And in my book, there is no person when it comes to wine that is more significant than Wes Hagen. And Wes is with me now. Wes is the brand ambassador for the Miller family wines. He is an incredible winemaker. He is an educator, really quite the scholar. He's authored a number of AVAs, and I think he actually performed brain surgery on my brother. Wes, welcome. Sorry about your brother. Yeah, well, (laughs) it's okay. Welcome to the show, Wes. Love having you here again. Gosh, I'm going to say it's been probably nine or ten months at least. Well, the supply chain for my brain and my voice is going to be plentiful today on the show. So I would just like you to know that there will not be any graphic or serious loss of what I have to say about these subjects. And it's funny you bring up dog food because my wife and I feed our dogs raw meat. And we decided at the beginning of the pandemic in April of 2020 that we did not trust the supply chain for dog food. So we started raising rabbits to feed our dogs. What? And we have raised, yeah, we've raised about two dozen rabbits and fed them to our dogs during COVID because we don't trust the supply chain and we want our dogs to eat good meat. Ow, there's a whole bunch of listeners that just changed channels. (laughs) Well, they better be vegans because if you eat meat, you should take karmic responsibility for your own meat. And that's all I'm doing is we are raising these rabbits as nicely and as kindly as possible. We are being very careful and gentle in the way that we cull them as gentle as you can.
can be in that way. But yeah, you know, I've been talking to the folks that buy all the materials for bottling wine and getting the wine ready for market. And there is a supply chain issue going on right now in the wine industry in California. So yeah, let's talk about it more specifically. It's a big deal for especially small winemakers. Because Indeed, because large winemakers of folks like Miller Family Wine Company, you know, we're a broad market brand. We do a lot of private and control label, you know, for Trader Joe's and for Morton Steakhouse, this, that, and the other. And of course, we sell about, you know, 250,000 cases of wine every year that we make for our seven brands. So obviously, the glass producers are going to favor us. The issue that I'm hearing right now is the glass is still pretty good. It's the cardboard and chip box, cardboard boxes that the wine go in, especially if you want those boxes to be decorated. That's really difficult. We normally put out these beautiful full color boxes. We're having to put a lot of our wine in brown craft or plain white boxes right now because obviously everyone is basically ordering things off the internet and everything needs to come in a box. So boxes are at a premium right now, and that does actually impact the wine industry. Well, if that's the worst problem you've got, then that's not much of a problem. But But if I was still at Clopepe and we were making 1,200 cases of wine total, and I called up Saver Glass or I called up Demptos Glass, and I'm like, hey, I need my 400 cases of wine for my bottling next month, they're going to laugh at me. They're taking care of their clients that are paying the bills in the tens and hundreds of thousands of cases or a million case winery. They do not want to get those people cheap off at them. So they're taking extra care of them. So it's the same way. You know, if you have no opportunity to get to the supermarket or to Costco, when they restock the toilet paper, it's like those big wineries are the ones who know when the toilet paper is showing up so they can come in and take it all home and take care of their large family. But if it's just one individual coming in at 730 before they close at eight, chances are they're going to find some empty shelves. I learned during the pandemic that when there are shortages of certain things, you have to think out of the box. And so like where toilet paper is concerned, it turns out you can buy a $39 bidet attachment that you hook onto your toilet and you're never, ever going to need toilet paper for the rest of your life. The French, I think, and the Europeans, I remember visiting Europe in the 80s when I was 12 and my mom showed me what a bidet was because the first time she went to Europe, I think she told me that her mom tried to wash their clothes in it. (laughs) Right. Um, And it was a separate ceramic being, but she did show it to us. And I do remember finding the process much more clean than, I don't know how we got into the subject. I'm just going to leave it there. It's a great technology and it would certainly save uh, a lot of trouble. Okay. So the reason that I brought us over to that thought is because as I look at this problem in the wine industry, I think we have to consider the problem the same way. Not to say that we should serve wine in bidets, but we've got to come up with something that's entirely different. And that might mean that wine will, for a period of time, have to be sold in bladders, you know, just like the bladders that are in the wine boxes or something, you know, think about the way that they sell juices and kid drinks. I'm not sure what those packages are made out of, but they're, you know, soft and you squeeze it and you drink it. And so it's not going to be the end of the world if we have to adapt for a little while. No, that's absolutely right. For a while, especially in France, and and I'm sure it's probably still happening in the EU, which I think they're a little more progressive in their packaging, but there was something called a Tetra Pack, which is basically, it it looks a lot like a modern half-gallon milk container. It's paper, it's lined, and it's a great technology. And, you know, I don't care how the wine gets into my glass. And by the way, only about 50% of the wine consumed in the world comes out of a 750 milliliter bottle. So much wine is collected at a cooperative in a, like a 
growler yeah. in Italy and Germany and all these places or in liter bottles or one and a half liter bottles or two liter or gallon bottles in wine boxes. It's getting less and less common. Remember, I mean, the average probably bottle cost for a bottle of wine consumed in the world is probably no more than five or six bucks. The idea that wine is fancy is actually not true. Most wine consumed in the world is simple, delicious, cheap, if not affordable. That's such a good point, and I'd actually like to talk more about that. We're going to have to take a break, but one thing that really shocked me was I had no idea what winemakers pay for a case of bottles, including the cost of the box. I was shocked to see how low that price is. It's not a big number. The glass we used at Clopepe was almost $10 a case. I would say average, a good bottle is probably four to five bucks a case. And if you buy 10,000 cases of it, it can go down to $4 a case. Yeah, think about how cheap that is, though. Listen to what you're saying. You know, 10 bucks a case, so you're talking about 90 cents for a bottle. That doesn't seem like a high price to me. The problem is that we can't recycle them. Oh, yeah, you can put it in the recycle bin and it'll be ground up and made into something else that is glass, but it just seems sort of weird to me that we can't just clean the bottles and refill them. We're going to talk about that in a second, and then I need you to shoot me down, Wes. Would that be okay? You know me. I'm here to ruin your day when you need me to. Wes Hagen is a wealth of knowledge, a winemaker, a wine educator, an ambassador for wine. He's a wine judge. Anything that has to do with wine, Wes can do it, and probably better than most people. So we'll just leave it at that, and we'll come back with more Grape Encounters right after this. Walk into Total Wine and More, and you may just pinch yourself. With over 13,500 hand-picked wines, spirits, and beer, there's something delicious to discover around every corner. And their friendly guides are right by your side, eager to help you pick up the slack in your wine rack. Or recommend a bottle or two to match your menu. A crisp Pinot Grigio pairs with shrimp scampi or even potato salad. Bold cabs with balanced tannins bring out the best in Korean short ribs and a bacon cheeseburger. Sip a sparkling rosé when you're serving salmon any which way. When it comes to what's in store, you'll find all your faves. Always at the best prices in town. So, what'll it be today? Choose curbside pickup, in-store pickup, shipping or delivery. Explore more in-store or at TotalWine.com. You're listening to Grape Encounters with David Wilson. We offer something for everyone. Unfortunately, we're not allowed to offer free wine. That's what your friends are for. At MM Organics, we're surrounded by health nuts. That's because we're obsessed with lowering blood pressure, cholesterol, and the risk of cancer. We want to make weight loss easier and help you strengthen everything from your heart to your teeth, nails, and hair. Full disclosure. Those health nuts are actually dry-farmed heirloom certified organic raw walnuts. Rich with essential vitamins and nutrients, they're vastly superior to other nuts. Imagine, walnuts can actually lower stress and boost your brain power. No wonder MM Organics customers are so darn smart. MMOrganics.com is where you'll find our uniquely irresistible raw walnuts, walnut butter, oil and flour, sprouted flavored walnuts, and decadent fair trade chocolate covered walnuts, which pair beautifully with our legendary two-horse port style wine. MMOrganics.com 
eating any other nuts is just plain nuts. Are you following Grape Encounters on social media yet? You're not? Well, you should be. It's the best way to hear the latest, juiciest, unfiltered wine stories. It's also the single best way to keep our unpretentious, decidedly different wine conversations going strong. We're on Instagram and Twitter at Grape Encounters. For tons of content on Facebook, you'll want to join our Grape Encounters radio group page. Or if LinkedIn is more your thing, connect with me by typing Grape Encounters Radio or Grape Encounters David in the search bar. Here's the deal. The more you click, the more I'll pour. Hey, doesn't it just bug you that you can take all of your soda pop bottles to the grocery store or wherever and you can get money back for them, but the wine bottles, forget about it. You gotta put them in a recycle bin and they're gonna get melted down and made into something else. And I think it's incredibly stupid, but we're talking to Wes Hagen today and maybe it's not as stupid as I think. Maybe he can set me straight. Wes Hagen is a regular here on Grape Encounters if you're new to the show. If you're not new to the show, then you are celebrating right now because finally Wes is back on after I think about eight months of absence. Wes is an author. He is a wine judge. He is a winemaker. He's an educator. And he's one of the brightest guys in the wine world. And so, Wes, you need to be the wise sage today. Is that okay? I'm ready to sage on, baby. Okay, listen, why is it that we can't just clean up the wine bottle and refill it with wine? Why is that? Well, let's think about a culture that does that. Let's talk about Mexican beer. Because if you go down to Mexico, like I used to when I was 17, 18, the first case of beer you bought was like 14 bucks. And then every case you bought after that was six. What? $6. Yeah. Because there were only six or seven beer brands. You had Tecate, you had Sol, you had Corona. So when you bring the bottles back to the cerveceria, they would take the bottles, they would wash them, they would refill them. So uh-huh. the process became very easy. What we're talking about is reusing instead of recycling. Yes. Now, why is that difficult in wine? There are no fewer than probably 1,200 different molds for wine bottles. So if you are drinking from a Hawk bottle, which is one of the tall Riesling bottles that is brown, blue, clear, white, dead leaf green, as opposed to antique, as opposed to flint, which means clear. There's five or six different colors of the bottle. There's hundreds of shapes, if not thousands of shapes. So the problem is how many of those bottles are you going to need to get recycled or reused at a recycling or reusing plant that can be washed and basically uh, amalgamated into cases that can be refilled. I need a thousand cases of Flint Bordeaux 750 in two weeks for bottling. Who's going to get them for me? Is it going to be easier to manufacture them from, let's be honest, sand? You know, there's probably not a shortage of sand. So the answer is what the needs are of the winery and what can be delivered when that winery needs what they need keeps it from being possible to washing and reusing wine bottles unless the wine drinking population would suddenly be totally cool with mismatched wine bottles in their cases and on the shelves. But then the retailers are not going to want to put 
random bottles on a shelf where the third bottle looks different from the second bottle and the label's not going to look the same. A lot of people in wine marketing are going to be very upset. All right. Okay. Hold, hold on a second. Listen, here's what I think we do. There are certain distinct shapes of bottles and there's what, four or five primary shapes that we're talking about. There's the Bordeaux bottle. There's the Rhone bottle. You know, there's the Riesling bottle and they all have distinctly different shapes. So what we do is we just make those bottles in three different colors, each one of them, because it's the label that people notice. I mean, I, I couldn't even tell you what the color of the bottle of a wine I drank last night was. I don't even notice it. So there, well, I've solved the problem right there. Solved. So when the revolution comes, comrade, everyone will love one of three wine bottles. But I don't like one of three bottles. When the revolution comes, you will like the one of three bottles. Right, it's okay. about choice. It's about okay, marketing. Uh, okay, There's okay. M- millions of dollars out there that people... Now, I agree with you. I also agree that there should only be one phone charger. Right. In the EU in 2016, they said there's only going to be one phone charger and every phone produced in the EU has to use the same charger. I'm actually down with that, regardless of my bad Russian accent. If there were only three shapes, you know, a hawk, Bordeaux and Burgundy, and you could choose clear dead leaf green or antique brown, I'm down. That's fine. Thank you very much. That's exactly right. But the other thing is stopgap measures are just fine with me. The only problem is that sometimes when we do stop gap measures, they end up becoming the way we do things forever. I wouldn't want that to be the case with wine bottles. But anyway, it's not a bad idea. Uh, By the way, since bottles come from sand anyway, I think that we should lightly break up all the wine bottles and dump them in the ocean and let those be turned into the little pieces of glass that wash up on a lot of beaches. It's one of the most beautiful things you've ever seen. I know some people are going, oh, that's polluting, David. But you know what? That's where it came from. And it's really super beautiful. And people clamor to those beaches to try to get those little pieces of glass. They're so... Yes, it's called seagull. Glass. And you're absolutely right. I love finding one. And I'll tell you another way you can recycle wine bottles by not putting them in the recycle bin. When we were replanting parts of the vineyard, we read about an organic, if not biodynamic way of protecting the vine's root system against gophers and ground squirrels. And that is to crunch up wine bottles into big, sharp, ugly pieces and throw them into the hole when you plant a vine. I don't like that idea. And, and no. that way, if the gophers try to come and get the vines, they don't have a no, good No, later on, somebody's going to be out there with a tractor or something. The glass is going to come up. I'm going to step on it, and that's going to be the end of that. But the sea glass thing, I love that idea. I'll go ahead and give you the sea glass there, thing over there, cutting little animals. There's a beach up above Mendocino in California that has this plethora of glass that washes up every single day. And if you haven't been there, check it out. It's amazing. Okay, real quick thing I wanted to mention, Wes, and you're going to be brokenhearted. And that is there seems to be something going on in the hard seltzer market. They're saying that the sales are just plummeting right now. In other words, Mm. it may have been a craze and it may be over. And I know you couldn't live without your hard seltzers. What do you think? Uh, I am a type one diabetic. So seltzer would probably be one of the best things I can drink. I can honestly say I've never tasted a seltzer. I do know that they were enjoying 30, 40, even 50% increase in sales year over year. So I think the problem is everyone tried to jump on board and just like, you know, the legal cannabis in California, if you jumped on board too late, you're not going to make any money and no one's going to really pay any attention to you. So I think White Claw is going to do great. You know, Corona tried to get in all the beer companies, Bud Light tried to get in. So I think the established brands are going to be doing just 
just fine. But all the breweries that are trying to up their game by brewing seltzers, the brewers themselves are going to be stoked not to ever have to make another seltzer again. And of course, us in the wine industry and the beer industry, maybe we've also kind of thought seltzer can kind of go the way of the dodo and we wouldn't mind. I'm not going to say anything against it because I always tell people drink what you want to drink. But I read a story in, of all places, Business Insiders India edition, because I like to read things from India, right? And here's what they say. This is a direct quote. It says, Molson Coors has nixed Coors Seltzer. Truly's parent company is dumping millions of cases of the hard seltzer. And beverage industry experts are warning that the seltzer craze is on the way out as sales wane across the sector. I mean, they're literally dumping cases of this, millions of cases. I can't even fathom what millions of cases might be. So, and I don't like to see that kind of waste. I don't know. What do you think? Obviously, seltzer is easy to drink. We remember Bartles and James coolers. That was a very popular drink. There are flash in the pans. Wine has been popular for 10,000 years on this planet, and wine's not going anywhere. Yeah, absolutely, positively true. We'll be back with Wes Hagen and more Grape Encounters right after this. Smoke from increasing wildfires is tainting wine grapes, and vineyard executives are looking for new ways to adapt. Pure Fresh Wines O3 technology helps vineyards overcome the problems caused by wildfire smoke by treating grapes pre-crush to improve fermentation and overall wine quality, as well as removing smoke taint. For the typical winery, saving a full harvest of grapes with Pure Fresh Wine costs only 10 cents per bottle. O3 technology has been approved by the FDA and USDA. It leaves no residue and uses no chemicals. It provides many benefits to wineries, including the removal of sulfur, pesticides, and fungicides pre-crush, the reduction of bad bacteria and mold issues, an improvement in roundness and fruit-forward palate notes, and so much more. Most importantly, it safely and naturally breaks down smoke taint molecules to save grapes from damage. Rescue your harvest from smoke taint. Visit purefreshwine.com today. When you discover a new favorite bottle of Chardonnay, sparkling wine, or artisan spirit at Total Wine & More, you'll discover a whole lot more. Like the friendly smile of an expert guide, ready to help you find that perfect bottle. And the confidence of knowing you just found something really special. Explore the wondrous selection and totally low prices at TotalWine.com, where you'll find what you love and love what you find. Please drink responsibly. Be 21. Welcome back to Grape Encounters. Did you know that in Old England, the word grape actually means berry? However, back in the day, grapes didn't want to be lumped in with raspberries, blackberries, blueberries, strawberries, and so on. So they refrained from going by the name Grapeberry. That's what we love about grapes, always thinking. And we're thinking it would be a very good idea to turn Dave's mic back on. David? All right, there are not very many ways that I can make Wes Hagen jealous because the guy has done just about everything that anybody interested in wine can do. But I am going to say, Wes, I know you've been homebound quite a bit, just like me. And Wes Hagen, I am going to take off in a couple of weeks for Italy. I'm going to Italy and I'm going to spend a little time there. Are you jealous? 
I'm super jealous. I strongly believe Italy has the best food in the world for the money. Like if you just walk into any random restaurant in a country, Italy has your best choice. To me, Italy's the best choice for walking into any random restaurant and expecting to get a great meal. France might have the best restaurants in the world. Italy has the best restaurants in the world, basically uh, across the board. I'm a huge fan, you know, the South for the value, the North for the truffles. Uh, you are in for a treat. So I'm going to be on the East side of the country, you know, where you've got Rome and other big cities on the West side, but the East side, smaller cities, lower prices, even more down home than other parts of Italy. So I'm, I'm really excited. I can't wait to take you all there, but we're going to do some really good things. And then after Italy, we're going to South America. We're going to be going to New Zealand and Australia as well. Not in the same week. So a lot of traveling coming up. I'm going to take you all over the world. And believe me, the kinds of stories that we're going to do are not like anything that you read in the wine consumer publications. We're going to just stay at the houses of winemakers and get up and make Sunday brunch together and commune with people in a way that will help you to better understand just how wonderful generally people who make wine are. And they're just regular folk with families who really have a joy of life, joie de vie. And speaking of joie de vie, Wes Hagen is here with me. We're talking about some of the stuff in the news, and there's just been a lot of stuff that really got my attention. One of the things that I thought was pretty interesting, Wes, is how wineries are trying to get people to come back to wine country and tour again and taste again. So they're coming up with all kinds of perks. Have you seen that? Yeah, actually, my hometown of Santa Maria, California, and I've I, I've been living here for about six years, kind of at the end of COVID when it looked like things were calming down before the Delta variant dealt us a, dealt us a little backhand. I got it. I got um, it. That was funny. Yeah. We were offering, I think it was uh, like 500 bucks if you came and stayed for like three or four days to be put towards hotel rooms and, and wine tasting. So this is something that Chambers of Commerce are looking at, not only with these wineries. I, obviously, some wineries are going to be doing a much more fancy job and offering people some pretty incredible perks. But hey, if Vegas does it for whales, there's certainly whales and wine too. I would say I probably sold 90% of the wine for, at my last job at, at Clopepi Vineyards to 10% of my customers. So you know, 10% of your customers are the people that really roll that. And if your customers are buying six, $7,000 worth of your product every year, does it make sense to spend $1,000 to get them out to make them feel special again? Well, of course it does. I think we're talking about more than $1,000 in some cases. Here's an interesting example, Napa-based Ashes and Diamonds Winery, which is owned by one of the children of the man who owns Dariush, which is one of my favorite wineries in Napa. I'm not familiar with Ashes and Diamonds, but I haven't really tried their wines. But what they're doing is they're um, offering everything from preferred hotels to airline discounts. And the winery's doing this thing. They've got a pet project called Surf Air. And I guess they go and pick people up in a private mm. airplane. Hey, how much wine do you got to buy to get to get that deal? Hey, you know, I, can you guys come and pick me up in uh, a Tascadero? I'll buy a case of wine. No, well, you're, you're just shaking your head. Well, it just seems like, again, we're just borrowing, you know, something from the playbook of like high-end casinos, 
again, you've got to take care of your best customers. And in the wine industry, especially if you have an allocated wine, what we're finding out is, you know, probably during COVID, less and less people are probably buying $100 and $150 bottles of wine. They want those customers back and they're asking the fundamental question, what can we do to get back to how we felt before COVID? I think this, anything in my mind, this is them basically brainstorming around a table saying, what can we do to get back to this feeling that we're growing, people are buying an ultra luxury product and that we feel comfortable in charging $150, $200 a bottle for our wine and people are going to buy it. They're going to feel connected to the brand. This is an investment in a luxury brand that might be struggling. So I was reading and I really don't understand what they're saying here, but this same winery, Ashes and Diamonds, I guess if you take advantage of some of the things that they're offering, they're going to waive the first year annual fee for their wine club. How much do you think that might be, Wes? Annual fee to stay in the wine club? Did you say annual fee for the wine? Annual fee for the wine club is, okay, ready? $2,500. And that doesn't get you a bottle of wine. I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to I'm gonna follow up on this one because they're throwing a lot of stuff out there, but it's really not clear how you take advantage of this stuff. But boy, oh boy, I uh, just was just I'm, reading you know, that. But anyway. David, I am a simple Santa Barbara winemaker. The most expensive bottle of Santa Barbara wine that I know of is about $130. So as a simple Santa Barbara winemaker, the idea of charging someone to be in my wine club Oh my goodness, I can't I I can't even fathom that. It's all about retention for us. What can we do at Jay Wilkes or Bien Nacido or Solomon Hills to make people just feel connected to the brand? We would never, ever, ever charge people to be in a club because we want them to be part of that culture. Sometimes Napa seems like a world away from Santa Barbara. See, I, you know, sure. I, people can do whatever they want to do if the demand is there and people are willing to pay it, I guess – so be it. I'm not going to argue the point. If you're a winery and you're able to command those kinds of prices, well, okay, that's up to you. But, you know, I think about people who belong to country clubs and things like that. And, you know, some of those country clubs can be a half a million dollars a year. I mean, really huge amounts of money. And I don't know what you get for half a million dollars, but there's almost nothing I'd pay a half a million dollars for, except maybe a weekend away with Wes Hagen. That would be oh, worth that's it. Very kind. That would be worth it. Anyway, just to, to wrap up this story, Wes, there are wineries that are offering balloon rides. I think that's, you know, kind of super cool and special private strolls through their gardens uh, while you drink samples of all of their wines and, and just lots of different things uh, that, you know, they're trying to create personalized experiences right there on the property. And I think that's pretty cool. So anyway. You got to shop around, guys, because it may sound like a sweet deal, but then if you add it up and you figure out what you're actually paying for some of these bonus experiences, they may not be bonuses after all. Anyway, Wes, we're going to have to take a little break here. When we come back, a very interesting statistic that I learned this week about French wine, or more specifically French wine consumption in the U.S., and who's drinking all that French wine? Well, if you hang out with wine people, winemakers, wine judges, people who are in the industry in one way or another, you're going to always hear them throw around names of expensive French brands. You know, it's just the way of the world. Sometimes it's dizzying when they talk about how expensive those wines are. But you know what? French wines, actually, there's a lot of French wine that you can buy. 
It's not very expensive. And uh, apparently a lot of French wine is being consumed in America right now as we speak. But the question is, who is drinking most of that French wine? And so I'm going to put that question to my friend, mentor, my inspiration, Wes Hagen. And I want you to think about that, Wes, because the answer might surprise you when we return with Grape Encounters. If you're a winemaker or a grape grower, you need to hear this. Pure Fresh Wine's patented O3 technology provides unique benefits to your wine by treating grapes pre-crush. It removes sulfur, pesticides, and fungicides, reduces bad bacteria and mold, helps limit and avoid stuck fermentations, improves taste, color, ripening, and stability, and pre-cools grapes for an improved fermentation process. The O3 naturally turns into oxygen when the process is finished, without any chemicals or residue. Leading winemakers aren't shy about confirming the benefits of using Pure Fresh Wine's process to significantly improve wine quality and approachability. Ready to have your best harvest yet? Visit purefreshwine.com today, or we'll get you connected when you contact us via the grapeencounters.com website. These days, it is critically important for you to like us on our Facebook group page or any other social media you connect with us on. Those likes help keep us going strong. Also, if you're listening to us on a podcast, please consider writing a review or giving us a thumbs up or five stars. It's what enables us to take you on trips around the world and share things about wine that are often overlooked. Thanks for being a part of the family. Something amazing happened to me the other day at Total Wine & More. I found my new favorite Cabernet Sauvignon at a totally low price. As soon as I picked it up, it felt like, aha, I knew it was the one. So go explore their wondrous selection and you'll feel it too. Because at Total Wine & More, you'll find what you love and love what you find. Download the Total Wine app or visit TotalWine.com. But please drink responsibly. Be 21. has been around for 8,000 years. But if you happen to have any bottles that old in your cellar, you might want to drink them sooner than, than later. Actually, if you've got 8,000-year-old bottles in your cellar, they're fakes. Bottles didn't show up until the 17th century, so you might want to just put those pseudo-relics on eBay with a proper disclosure, of course. Anyway, let's continue with a show that never tries to fake you out. Grape Encounters with David Wilson continues. Back with Grape Encounters Radio. He's a wine judge. He's a winemaker. He's really a great chef, by the way, and a good, good, good husband, Wes Hagen. How's that? I've never used that one before, Wes, but you are very good to your wife, and I think that's terrific. Well, she's the most precious person in my life. David Wilson matters a lot to me, too, but I've been married to uh, my wife, Chanda, for 21 years, and what an adventure. I could not suggest marriage more as long as you're willing to learn and grow. It's not always easy, but it's always worth it. Beautiful. Then the question becomes, we're talking about French wine. How often yes. do you open up for her a bottle of DRC? 
Uh, never. I've tasted Domaine de la Romani Conti, the most expensive wine in the world. Right now, you're looking at anywhere from six to a hundred thousand dollars for a bottle, depending on the vintage and the size of the bottle. I've tasted it a few times by the kindness of strangers, but I can't afford thousand dollar bottles of wine. But I'm always happy to drink them. Are they worth thousands of dollars? Sometimes they are because if you do something like what I do and craft and talking about wine and being with wine to know what happens at the top of the game. If you're a filmmaker and you never saw Citizen Kane, if you're a filmmaker and you never saw the films of Alfred Hitchcock, yeah. if you're a filmmaker and you never saw you know certain films in the American film genres that really makes us who we are. French wines, I mean, you can go from the Languedoc or from areas in the south of France all the way up you know, to Beaujolais and find fabulous bottles of French wine for between $15 and $40. I think that's, to me, where the great strength is in the Loire Valley. Yes. 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 I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's mostly people probably my age and a little younger, probably Gen X, not quite millennials, but maybe uh, between millennials and Gen X, somewhere in the way, you know, sort of 25 to 35. I better probably being more uh, experimental and getting out there and looking to try to understand why French wines are given such a great reputation. So, so, okay, let's just remind people what the question is, because that was a long answer. And the question is, who is drinking? these French wines in America? And the answer is, well, you gave the right answer, Wes. But what about gender? What about gender? Wrong. I think women are going to be wrong. No. The French wine right now is being consumed by young American men. Young. Yes. And we're talking about in their 20s and 30s. And that accounts for more than 70%. Is that amazing? Of the French wine consumption. Why this is interesting is because in France, the young people there have literally blown off wine. They're not drinking it there. They're drinking spirits there instead. And you'd think that the country that is known for romancing the wine more than any other country on the planet, and I think that includes Italy, you'd think that the young people would want to embrace that. Would you stop that? You're sitting there just, you're taunting me, Wes. You sit there and you're drinking wine in front of me, and I know it's a good bottle, and you're just doing that to make me feel bad. Why is that? No, I'm just I'm just celebrating my uh, Y chromosome and the fact that, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I'm assuming these young people are, I, I'm kind of thinking they're hipsters and they're going into their local yeah. wine stores. They're looking for natural wine. They're looking for wines from regions that they've never tried. They're yeah. getting a little tired of IPAs and double IPAs and hazy IPAs and pastry stouts. And they're t- tried some mead and then they had a, you know a little bit of a cider. And then they thought, well, maybe we should go back to the classics. And what is the classic? I mean, when you think of wine, I think most French children know all of the regions of France by virtue of something that came through the umbilical cord in the womb, the same way that the British people are born with every beetle lyric on their lips. So (laughs) there's something special about France, right? There's something special about the wines of France. And so many varieties that we recognize are French and were developed in really that Languedoc area in the south of France and then spread throughout France. So Bordeaux, Burgundy, Champagne. And you mentioned my wife, if we're drinking French wine, we're drinking Champagne. Unfortunately, she can't drink much, but because of the light body and the light alcohol involved in Champagne, it is one of our favorite beverages. And, you know, you don't have to have a celebration to drink Champagne. Champagne is the celebration. So one of the things I want to mention, we're we're really running out of time here, but one of the things I really want to mention is, first of all, it's really, really a good time to travel. The doors are open to most European countries. 
and airfares can be had for as little as what you would pay to go from one side of the U.S. to the other. I just bought a ticket to Europe for around $700 round trip and they're really, really good flights. But I'm telling you that because when you get there, you will be very surprised if you are not a European tourist and you go to France, you go to Italy, you go to Spain and you drink wine while you're there, you're going to be shocked that the wine is about what we pay for a large bottle of soda here. I mean, you can buy wines there for a couple of bucks. Pretty darn good wines. They don't make it to the U.S. because how do you make any money off of a $4 bottle of wine? You don't. So this is a great time to go there, fly there cheaply, and just enjoy the wines, drink them to your heart's content because they will not cost you a lot of money. And most people have just the opposite impression that drinking wine Mm. in France, drinking wine in Italy is an expensive proposition. It absolutely isn't. So there you have it, Wes. I mean, you got great value and what I call QPR, which is quality to price ratio in the United States. I mean, I let me just say globally, we've never been in a better position to drink the best wine ever available in the world for the least amount of money today. And the only other time it's going to probably be better is tomorrow. We might end up because of the supply chain and just because some fires and because of some other issues, seeing a little bit of a tightening of wine inventory in the United States and in the world. But I still think we're living in the golden age of wine. We've never had better wine for less money. You're drinking better wine today for five bucks in a bottle than kings and queens would have been drinking 50 years ago. Yeah, that's that's the good news. The bad news is that's going to do it for Grape Encounters. That's it. Wes Hagen, so nice to have you on. Wes Hagen, the brand ambassador for the Miller family of wines. Rattle them off real quick, Wes. Oh, wow. Ballard Lane, Butternut. We've got Bien Nacido Estate, Solomon Hills Estate, Jay Wilkes. We also have Volunteer, and that's probably as many as I need to list. But get out there and look for the Ballard Lane, the Jay Wilkes wines. They're available throughout the world and throughout the United States. So I'm really excited that you had me on. And thank you again, David Wilson. And I hope I see you before you go on your travels. But if I don't, make sure to see the world and enjoy it in all ways possible. And just Google Wes Hagen. There's tons of content online. He's done some really great stuff. You'll see a lot of it over at YouTube. That's going to do it for Grape Encounters today. We'll see you back here next week, guys. This edition of Grape Encounters has been brought to you by Total Wine & More. It's hard to imagine a more satisfying wine-related experience. Spend all the time you want at TotalWine.com or at your nearest store. Just make sure you're back here with me at this same time next week for another Grape Encounter. Are you following Grape Encounters on social media yet? You're not? Well, you should be. It's the best way to hear the latest, juiciest, unfiltered wine stories. It's also the single best way to keep our unpretentious, decidedly different wine conversations going strong. We're on Instagram and Twitter at Grape Encounters. For tons of content on Facebook, you'll want to join our Grape Encounters radio group page. Or if LinkedIn is more your thing, Connect with me by typing Grape Encounters Radio or Grape Encounters David in the search bar. Here's the deal. The more you click, the more I'll pour.